appreciating my new um, toy back here. It's a little cup that Steve, uh, one of our deacons, put there, and I've all de- hadn't needed it for a long time. But <laughs> this morning, Steve, right on, right on time, brother. Need a little extra water there. As a matter of fact, I'm going to hit this once more. <clears throat> all right, we're now in the third part of what is sometimes called. The Sermon on the Plain. We are in Luke's Gospel, uh, which we are considering that uh, by having already gone through this in the, the sixth chapter, and we're about to finish that today and be uh, on the seventh chapter uh, the next time in this edition. And we have, we're looking at this with gospel eyes. As we see Jesus together in the Gospel of Luke. And as I said, we come to the end of the sixth chapter, but Jesus has been basically what I've taken in three sections. Uh, Again, they're available online, uh, YouTube, whatever, if you want to catch up with just that, those sections, or if you want to go further back, of course, that's available to you as well. But at this time, We want to turn our attention to the reading of our scriptures this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 49. And again, remember, this is the word of the Lord. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother? Let me take out the speck that is in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. 
He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do is like a man who has built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we once again ask for your blessing that we might hear your inscripturated word, that we might receive it with meekness and open hearts, that we will not be stubborn and resistant to what your word says and calls upon us who follow you. Father, bless today your people. Strengthen us. Encourage us. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As I said, today we're in the third part of the Sermon on the Plain, as some have called it. Uh, Luke alluded, remember, that After Jesus came down from the mountain, they went to a place that was a level place. And Jesus then began again teaching the people after coming down from the mountain on what was likely the plain of Genesor or Gennesaret. And it goes by both names. And I showed you some graphics for that the last times. And you just have to go back and look at the, if you want to see, uh, it kind of gives you a sense of where that might have been in the northwest corner there by the Sea of Galilee on this plain. Now, it's important to keep in mind something I've already said to you in both of the previous uh, parts of this three-part message as we're basically trying to capture the gist of what Jesus is teaching. Obviously, there was a whole lot more than what is in this chapter uh, in terms of the Sermon on the Plain. But these are the highlights. These are some of the important elements that Luke was capturing of Jesus' teaching. And this was probably very common and very these were, were themes that continued throughout Jesus' ministry, both in Galilee and in Judea. Uh, these were critically important things because he was basically saying, what you've been looking for is here. I'm here, and you're looking for it all these other places, but it's me. You don't see it, and I'm right in front of you. But those who knew him and were his followers and believed in him, they knew and were learning who he was as they followed him as his disciples. Now, remember, I also told you it was 
one other thing that Jesus was making clear was that persecution is going to follow. It's going to come after him, already is there, and it is going to come, and it's also going to follow his disciples. And so he was preparing them, telling them they needed to get ready, recalibrate, and prepare for the persecution that would come as the followers of Jesus Christ in this turbulent time in, on the hinge of history in which the Son of God has come bringing good news. But there are evil forces, and there are forces that are very much committed to keeping things in the status quo, the way they were. They didn't want any part of Jesus and his ministry and his message. And now, we begin today on this third part. Jesus starts using some wit and wisdom. Starts using parables. We know that he does that in many places in all the Gospels. And there are a series of parables here in our text this morning. Now, you've heard the expression, one picture is worth a thousand words, right? Everybody's heard that. And it really is true, and maybe not a thousand, but certainly helps. And a lot of you are visual learners. Uh, I am. I know my wife certainly is. If you've ever been in one of her studies, you know how good she is in terms of visuals. I'm not as good as she is about that, but I am still uh, a visual learner. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's talking about some really serious stuff, but he's also doing it in a little bit of the context of wit and wisdom. There's almost some playfulness that we'll see in the passage today as we unfold it. Uh, Jesus gave word sketches that were meant to be humorous. Again, a lot of times I told you not long ago that there are people uh, that, that just can't imagine Jesus as ever laughing or smiling or, or, or be cracking a joke or being humorous. And I think that is so far from the truth. And Jesus certainly is doing that here. He's using this wit and these parables to make points. But what you also need to be looking for, in some senses, folks, all three of the points in the message this morning are really ultimately pointing to the same reality. Doing, using different tools, using different parables, using different word illustrations and idioms, Nonetheless, they're all trying to hammer home to his disciples the one single important point. They're just being expressed in different ways. But the players are there. Jesus and those who oppose him. And Jesus is teaching now, once again, about that. Now, the Bible, as I've already alluded to, is more full of humor than we sometimes also see. A lot of times we don't catch things because either we don't understand the idiom that might be there, or the, uh, the um, a, a a tool, if you will. We don't understand and we try to make it wooden or we'll try to make it be exact in a way. But it's, it's, it's a 
figure of speech. And so the Bible, though, is quite full of humor in a number of places if we're able to recognize it. Now, what these little scenes have to say uh, today, what we're seeing today, these parables, they are basically warnings about false teaching, about the teaching that is prevalent all over Palestine in that time when Jesus was here. And yet, Jesus is warning his disciples about the danger of the religious establishment of Jesus' day. Now, there were a few exceptions. There were Nicodemuses and there were um, um, Joseph of Arimathea. There were people like that. But by and large, the religious establishment did not want anything to do with Jesus and his teachings. He was a rival in their eyes. And Jesus was warning his disciples that they are dangerous folk to be in bed with. They are dangerous folks to follow. If you continue going down their path, their road, it is a road that is going to be sorrowful. I'm here. You need to be listening to me. Now, again, the way he does that is quite creative, as we'll see as we go on. Here's our outline for today uh, for the Sermon on the Plain. It goes like this. The fable, as a short, another synonym for parable, uh, the fable, the fruit, and the foundation. The fable, the fruit, and the foundation. Now, the fable, of course, is in verses 39 through 42. Those are the passages we've already read. I won't read them again, but I'll try to, to break it down. Now, Jesus, he began with a, a parable or this fable or uh, whatever you want, to, you want to call it. Um, it's about the blind leading the blind. Now, that image or that, that popping in your head or if, you, if you're looking at it, that image was proverbial and it was widespread. It wasn't just right there in Galilee or even in Judea. It was, it was widespread all over. Both in biblical form and in secular form. Uh, there, there is evidence that, there, that this similar expression may have been used uh, and we've finally found uh, some writings in about uh, two centuries before. So this was a common thing. Jesus wasn't making this up out of thin air. It was something that was proverbial and many people knew and understood the expression. Now the meaning of the parable, as Luke calls it, is fairly obvious. We need to be careful whom we choose to follow. That's the bottom line. Hey, you're going to follow... Teachers, rabbis, leaders, you need that. God designed it that way. He gave a Moses to his people, okay? He gave, their, but you need to be careful who you are go, going in with, 
who you are putting in control of your destiny and where you're going. So, if we follow the wrong leader, Jesus was implying, we will end up falling into a ditch because the same disability that one blind man has goes to the other. And they end up both being unable and ultimately they fall or stumble into a ditch. Uh, with uh, our uh, operator over there, I think I'll show you a couple of classic uh, images um, from uh, of, of this. Uh, there's a medieval painting there, and um, you can see um, coming down the three. All these guys are blind, obviously, and these ones over here at the far end, um, they've already fallen. <laughs> they've already stumbled into the ditch, um, and uh, we've got another version of that uh, that's. <laughs> I don't know which one I like better. They both are, are pretty, uh, pretty telling. But there are these, these whole bunch of blind people, and they're just, this first one's already starting to fall, and it's going to be a domino effect all the way down, and they're all going to end up there. And Jesus is making that statement and basically saying, you need to be careful that you're not following blind people. Because it's going to not go well for you as my followers if you do that. And so, furthermore, the students don't rise to levels higher than their teachers. Uh, their ceiling, when, when Jesus said that right after the blind uh, uh, illusion, after he said that, then he made the statement about teachers uh, students not going beyond where their teachers are. It, now, there, there always can be exceptions, but uh, generally speaking, he said, generally speaking, that's the, if, you, if these are the guys you're following. Uh, and what Jesus was saying is their ceiling is limited if they keep learning from the usual suspects. In other words, they are following the religious leaders and established um, leaders of the spiritual leaders of their day. And yet, Jesus is saying, don't you see where this is leading, where this is going? Don't follow them. This is going to end badly. And because they only have a ceiling that is this high. Now, at, at originally, there was there was that was valuable. But they piled on and piled on and piled on more and more things that are extra biblical and no longer now can they even ferret out, most cases, the truth when it's standing in front of them. Their ceiling is limited if they keep learning from that religious establishment. They need to be learning from who? Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that you need to be listening to. I'm the one you need to be learning from. I'm the one that's going to take you where you ultimately want to be and get. Now, 
the Pharisees certainly were blind to the truth about the gospel of grace. Even Jesus said so elsewhere in Matthew 23, 16. He said, woe to you blind guides. That very language again. He says, woe to you. It's not going well. Blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound his oath. Jesus is saying, these folks are, are just taking stuff and making it up as they go. Whole cloth. Well, if you do it this way, it will, well, but, but if you do it this way, it will be okay. And, and that's, that. Jesus is saying, this is absurd. It's nonsense. Why are you following this? Jesus' parable of the blind leading the blind warns us to be careful whom we follow. And there's actually an implicit, not a direct, but an implicit, I believe, warning for those who teach. Have you ever read James 3.1? This is what it says. Not many of you should be teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Kind of appropriate for uh, officer nominations coming <laughs> in, the, in the headlights, right? Um, now, obviously, God designed leadership. Leadership works. You do need leaders. You do need teachers. You need those to pass things on. But if, if you end up following the, long, the wrong leaders, and even as we need to be mindful, those of us who lead, we are, there is a greater burden. Now, remember this. Apart from the enlightening work of the Holy Spirit, then or now, we're all spiritual blind, spiritually blind. Yes, the Pharisees were, uh, and the Sadducees and the religious establishment of that time, they were sort of unbelievably uh, obvious examples of what Jesus was saying. But all of us are spiritually blind apart from the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are born blind, spiritually speaking. We can't see. We can't understand. That's why Jesus came. And that's what he's saying is, don't listen to them. Don't, they, they are running this thing in the ground. They are, they're not leading you closer to your father in heaven. I'm his son. Listen to me. Secondly, Jesus also, uh, well, Actually, one other point on, on, on this before we get to the next point. Um, Jesus gave his disciples a related proverb, which is, again, uh, like teacher, like student. And I've already, I've already co covered that. Um, the next riddle that Jesus gave, he, and right after that, he gave another riddle. Here comes another parable or riddle. It's about the speck of dust in another person's eye and that you're going to help them get it out. Um, Jesus is, once again, being funny, if you will. That's another word picture. And um, many years ago, um, someone 
gave me this. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, I, I thought at first, I thought, well, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or suggestion or what. But I decided knowing that I am, because I'm a sinner, I'm spiritually blind and pretty obtuse sometimes. And there's plenty of people could could uh, verify that and agree. I, you know, I need to put that in my office always <laughs> and keep it there and look at it occasionally and remembering uh, sometimes I'm trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye and I got a big old log in mine. And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, matter of fact, let's see, let me, I'll, Greg, poor, poor soul, uh, you're, you're, you're about as close as, as I can get here. Um, now, hold on just a minute. I want to get my, uh, all right, here we go. I'm looking for that speck in your eye, um, Greg. I can't, I can't see it. I can't figure out why. I think you get the point. Yeah, that's what Jesus was saying. It's like, how in the world am I going to work at some little thing, maybe a wrong, that Greg has done? But how in the world am I going to do that if I've got this massive obfuscation, this massive blind spot right in front of me, and I can't see anything around it. I'm literally in the dark. And Jesus is saying, that's what these guys are doing. My sheep, don't listen to them. They are blind guides, and they will all fall in the ditch. If you follow them, listen to the good shepherd. Listen to me, and I will lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As the 23rd Psalm beautifully puts. So, we are also guilty of hypocrisy. That's really what this is. Jesus calls that out. You're basically, you hypocrites. We're also guilty of hypocrisy when we overestimate our ability to deal with other people's sin. Now, think about that. Now, do we need people to help? Pastors and counselors, absolutely. But again, sometimes those who are trying to help can get a little, hey, I've got this finally figured out. I kind of, I know how to, how to, oh, I know how to handle somebody like her or like him. You see, if we overestimate our ability to deal with other people's sins or if we try to confront their sin before we confess our own. Once again, you know, I look out there and there's Jack. And I see him, get somebody on this side. I, there, Jack, and I know Jack's a sinner. So does he. And, uh, and, and, and you know, but I, I'm, 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 I need to help Jack with some things. I need to think, tell him some things and, you know, but I'm not even thinking about, okay, where am I spiritually right now? What, what's, on, what's controlling my life and my passions? You see, it, again, we, it's the same thing with the log in the eye. Our hypocrisy knows no bounds. And yet, 
Jesus came to tell us that's not the way to follow him into freedom. Now, the second thing here briefly is the fruit, 43 uh, through 45. Jesus is saying that moral reformation, which leaves the heart untouched, is about as useful as try to, trying to uh, put a bunch of grapes um, on a briar bush. Uh, it, it just they don't, it doesn't work. Um, Paul Tripp, some of you have read Paul Tripp's and used some of his works. And by the way, if you're, if you, if you're having a tough time uh, training your kids uh, particularly, uh, use some of Paul Tripp and, and um, uh, his, his brother. I forgot, I can't, can't remember his name. Somebody out loud. Ted, yeah, Ted Tripp, yeah, Ted, uh, uh, the younger kids and older for uh, good, great stuff, gospel stuff about how uh, to parent. We've got a real crisis on our hands, folks. We got uh, in in our time, and there, and there's just uh, we need we need that kind of help and that kind of guidance. Um, but this is what this is what Paul Tripp calls fruit stapling. Fruit stapling. We, we basically go around. It doesn't fit on the tree, but we staple it on as if it. Louise also does the, uh, some stuff in her uh, 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 teaching and, and for our, our children uh, that as along that line. She gets staples all this fruit. It looks great, but it's rotten. It's, 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 it doesn't it have any value. And so Jesus is inviting his hearers to a way of life that's so completely different and new that it will demand a change of heart and a change deep down into our soul. Listen to what uh, Mike McKinley says here. He says, Jesus uses a simple agricultural principle in order to illustrate a powerful spiritual reality. Many trees look like look alike, and if we were merely to look at the branch structure and the shape of its leaves, it might be difficult to distinguish one type of tree from another. But Jesus reminds us in verse 44, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. If you see pears, you know that you are not dealing with a thorn bush, but rather a pear tree. If you see grapes, you know that you're not dealing with a green briar, green briar shrub, but a grapevine. So he says, it's, you will know it. You'll know them by their fruit. Remember, Jesus taught his disciples later on. And again, we're not called, as I said the other day, we're not called to be judges, but we are called to be fruit inspectors. And what kind of fruit is hanging on our trees? You know. Jesus' picture continues uh, to be relevant and then and now. And just an application. Many churches make a huge fuss about very, very small ticky-tack things. All the while ignoring the center of the gospel. And of the radical Christian witness in the world is often ignored. Churches, playing church, 
doing a lot of building, but nothing wrong with buildings. But the point is, we don't keep the main things the main things. As Chuck uh, like, like, likes to always say, right, Chuck? The main things are the plain things. Uh, and that's, that's what Jesus, again, is stressing here. Now, the last element of this is 46 through 49, the foundation. Jesus' sermon ends with a warning, a very stern warning. It's expressed in another vivid story. So Jesus is just one story telling after another. All these metaphors, uh, all these. And here, listening to true wisdom and not putting it into practice is like building without foundations. And sooner or later, if you don't have a foundation, the whole house is going to come down. Uh, Jesus' contemporaries, think about this. At that time, in the first century, when Jesus was walking around this earth, there were some pretty amazing things going on, some amazing building that was going on. And his contemporaries knew about this, the greatest building project of their age, of their time. It was called Herod's Temple. And everybody was just amazed at it. It was astonishingly beautiful. And it was the center and hub of everything in Judaism. And yet Luke Getting this from the Lord Jesus, what's being taught here. Luke makes it clear later on in the text, and we'll see it as we go through expounding this book. We'll see it that Luke makes it clear that the temple would come under God's judgment. And all of the system of that would be utterly broken and rejected because something better was coming. Something more life-giving would be coming. The old had its place, but now the religious establishment were just clinging on to it and would do anything to keep it the way it was. They weren't listening to the call of Jesus to repent and to believe the gospel. They're doing quite fine, thank you. We'll keep it as it is and we'll control it as we've always. You see, its rulers hadn't obeyed Jesus' gospel call to repent and believe in him. And that's why ultimately the temple would be destroyed and replaced with the real temple, who is Jesus himself. He's the temple. He was the embodiment of what the temple was to be, a light shining into the world, not only to God's people, but to the Gentiles. Now, the question, of course, is are you and I today building on a strong foundation? Remember what Jesus said? In the, he said, if it doesn't have a strong foundation, it's going to get washed away. There's going to be nothing left. 
nothing to go pick up the pieces of. But if we believe and receive what Jesus taught us about repentance and belief, we can have a strong foundation. I love what um, 1 Corinthians 10, 4 says, and all drank, this is talking about an Old Testament event foreshadowing Christ in the wilderness with his people. And they all drank from the same spiritual rock. In other words, there was a physical fountain that they were drinking from. God provided in the wilderness experience. But there was something else going on that was greater than that. Spiritually, the Holy Spirit was working. And they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock, with a capital R, that followed them. Somebody's been following the faithful children of Israel, those who were trusting in God's provision of the Messiah. And the rock was Christ. Jesus was right there. And as he was right here now, telling them, stand on the rock. Stand on me. Lean on me. I won't be washed away. There's nothing they can do. My Father will accomplish his purpose. You see, Jesus' radical offer of new and abundant life is so all-embracing. But guess what? It's also so all-demanding. It's both. It's so freely given and so all-embracing for sinners and for those that don't deserve it. And yet it is demanding to be a disciple, to follow Jesus. And it may be costly. And that is why some people like to find other alternatives. Well, Jesus' road is awful hard and awful narrow. Let's, let, let's, let's come up with a, another system that, that's easier to manage. You see, that's what always is happening in unbelief. That's what's happening in false teachers trying to come up with another way. But you know what? There is no other way. Only one way. Only one way. When I was a, when I was a, a new Christian, you know, we would we uh, go around and we, at, at at events and so forth. You know, we put up that that finger, just saying, "There's only one, and his name is Jesus, and he's the only way." And he himself said it this way in John fourteen six. Jesus said, "What I am the way." the truth, and the life. No one, no exceptions, no one comes to the Father except through me. Get aboard. Hop on. I'll take you to the Father. 
and nobody else is going on that path. But I'll take you there. Are you standing on the solid rock? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that Jesus, your son, is our solid rock. And Father, as we sing about uh, that reality here in just a moment, uh, oh, Father, help us uh, to be filled with joy. We are not deserving. We're blind uh, and so many times blind guides as well. We don't see, but Lord, you did not leave us. You came for us and you taught us and you're still teaching us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see so that we're not blind, but we might walk boldly embracing Jesus and his cause and his kingdom. Father, make us desirous to know you better, to be more and more willing to be your disciples wherever you lead us. And Father, we know that you are the only way. And we thank you that it is Jesus, our Lord and the Savior, we pray. Amen.